welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. you're listening to episode 128 of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast and this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Ice Augers. If you're looking to upgrade your ice auger this coming winter, don't wait. Head over to jiffyonice.com and check out their full line of ice augers today. That's jiffyonice.com. And for today's episode, we have uh, a pretty cool guest, a fellow that we can really relate to quite well uh teddy costco from cast and iron coming on to chat with us about the cast and iron brand and a little behind the scenes action of uh what teddy does when he's not mr cast and iron but right now we have joining us my brother tristan tristan how's it going pal oh not too shabby not too shabby just trying to lay a little low here in manitoba for uh, those not living in the province, it's been sweltering lately. Is sweltering the right word there? It's been uh, it's been definitely been pretty hot, and it's it's uh, it seemed to be uh, um, a little back and forth between the sweltering heat and uh, extreme thunder showers, <laughs> which is they kind of come hand in hand here. But uh, one cool thing that we've we've kind of slid into here this summer to help us beat the heat is. Uh, some chili moose products and uh if you haven't checked out chili moose's lineup of flow form coolers and uh drinkware they are uh you know pretty pretty nice stuff and it's going to be keeping your cool drinks nice and cold all summer and then when it comes to winter time we'll keep uh keep whatever you throw in them nice and warm so it doesn't freeze so check them out on the web chilimoose.ca and they're also in lots of local retailer stores as well such as home hardware up here in canada and uh that is chilimoose.ca check them out nice nice yeah good could have used a little of that put the yard work on the weekend i've been uh, uh, yeah i've been running pretty warm oh man i've been running their their cup quite a bit so my, my morning routine is like uh do a pour over in the cup and then uh once the pour over is done just rinse it out and then uh usually like some ice water in there for the old morning and then afternoon maybe a little iced coffee and then come after the kids go to sleep maybe mix up a little whiskey in there too and it's uh something about drinking a good good beverage out of uh a cup that keeps it at the right temperature you know what i mean i hear you i hear you yeah that's the that's the sentiment over here too and yeah, it's uh, you know, it's been so hot. I've been uh, trying to connect with uh, Crawford there from Point Proven to even do some dog training, and uh, we're we're even saying, well, he's been getting up at like five a.m. to do the dogs, Ooh. and I'm like, yeah, maybe not, but it's still so hot. But uh, I think Willie's going to be on the sidelines there for a little while. Yeah, yeah. How do you? Uh, it's tough to push the dogs in that heat, hey? Yeah, not just that, but uh, he. Uh, He's down a few jewels this uh, as of today, so he'll be recovering for day, maybe maybe a week. They said the vet figures, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He seems okay though. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, hopefully, you guys can keep him uh, 
reined in long enough to heal up because I know he's pretty rangy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he likes to run. So yeah. that's that'll be the real challenge, I think. But uh maybe if uh you're out there, you just pour one pour one out for Willie's old uh reproductive system there and then uh you know, maybe send him some well wishes over the gram or something. One for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've been fishing uh a little bit up at Hecla, which is uh, you know, one of the provincial parks in central Manitoba there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of but uh the 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 weather conditions are like the 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 hydrological conditions up there have been something else in some ways still a ton of water and when that water shifts we're sure getting a lot of currents so it's been a, a little bit different fishing this year but uh, we did manage to get on some last week which was exciting nice 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 and uh you guys also sacrificed a couple of fishing rods well, yeah, not not to anyone's volition that was in the boat aside from a uh, a two year old who thought it was a good idea to see which ones float. <laughs> but I do get some good news on that front. I won't share it right now, but I'm hoping to come up with a little teaser on my solution to the uh, the sinking fishing rod conundrum. Nice, they, nice. They both sunk rather quickly, despite my best efforts to modify them. So. Stay tuned for the uh, the solution to that. Yeah, you you think uh, the the rod manufacturer w- would come up with a, a floating rod for the for the young young ones? You know what I mean? Because chances are they're going to be tossing them in the water. And I know our kids have certainly lost their fair share of rods too. So, um, yeah, yep. We'll uh, we'll have more. That's all I can say for now. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. But- but, but uh, yeah, got me thinking too a little bit about kind of our, well, you know, who's been posting is Andrew just sh- showing up some bids on the old gram there of uh, Chinook just peeling line. Have you seen those? Oh, man, looks like he's he's having some good days. He's tying into some Chinook and some, uh, uh, oh, geez, what are those real ugly fish called again? The Lincod? Lincod, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they Dang. got um, some character. Yeah, but they are tasty too. Oh, very tasty. He's been having a year, man. Like, if if you're not following our buddy uh, Andrew's West Coast Adventures there on Instagram, check him out. And he's been, uh, he's not only been doing good close to home, but he's also been uh, looks like he's been on the road a little bit, doing some exploring and stacking up some fish too. Yeah, totally. He's uh, putting the grind on at. I don't think it's going to happen for me this year, but it'd be great to get back out there again and just get into that, uh, either that late August salmon run or whatever it is. Or so You did some of the river fishing there, eh? Yeah, yeah. I was like early September, I think. But uh, I know the family here has been talking about going on vacation. I'm just kind of like, okay, how can I steer them back to <laughs> the West Coast here yeah. so I can go fishing? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally, man. But uh, we'll see what happens. It's getting pretty close to fall here for for vacations. And, uh, you know, I don't want to commit too much of my time after September to, you know, there better be some salmon involved if I'm going summer is what I got to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, You think old Teddy there fished a little salmon? Oh, man. we I had a great conversation with him. Uh, This is... So this is, uh, I think, the first solo podcast that I've ever done through Panoramic here. So just me and Teddy sat down and kind of dissect some stuff. And this 
episode and he he uh, talked about some pretty cool stuff man and talked about how the uh you know the the hatchery there will release some some fish early and mainly for by the sounds of a tourism um kind of runs around the tourism uh sector there but it also means that they come up river some of these groups come up river a little bit early so they get some pretty decent uh waves of fish in throughout the summer as well which is kind of neat that's interesting. I never would have thought of that, but it makes a lot of sense, right? Kind of extend your fishing season. Yeah. If you can. Yeah. Yeah. And we got into some pretty cool stories about some uh, some riled up fishermen and uh, some drama on the water kind of thing. But, uh, man, he does a good job of, of uh, promoting the outdoors and stuff there. And he's got a, you know, he's pretty much got a full professional team with him when he when he heads out and and plans these projects and and they do a great job of um you know putting it all together nice you know what i was wondering is if we were to do some of that river fishing again or even like for for sturgeon out that way how do you think the old uh the swell fish would hold up hold up there what do you what are your thoughts on that Whew, that would be sweet could you imagine i don't know if did you ever visit any of those rivers while you were on the island at all? Uh, like we hiked around a couple, but I never like, I never got too close to to one of them to see what the actual pace was. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, just the like glacier fed kind of kind of deal looks. I think maybe not glacier fed. I don't know, but they are just clear, clear, clear water. Right. I'm just thinking how sweet that swellfish would look ripping up one of them rivers. That'd be awesome. Yeah, likely have yeah, you, to have a, a jet drive on there though. Yeah, a little upgrade. Yeah, you think the oars would help you out? Oh, totally. There's uh, there's some pretty cool stuff on that swellfish, man. Um, I don't know if you've seen that video drop today. Uh, actually did a little solo mission with it a little while ago. I was able to to back it up close close enough to the water to slide it off, and uh, certainly could have retrieved it out of the water myself but uh, had some gentlemen close by that were more than willing to give me hands to take it out which was super cool too um but uh another thing i was i was uh i discovered when i was at our buddy graham crawford's place uh another associate of ours i would say our our buddy derek who's uh winnipeg firefighter i don't know derek's last name but he was at uh remember he was at greg's place when we did that podcast with greg yeah 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 Anyways, he had his pup there doing some work, um, and uh, he had let me know that on the fire department, they have these wheels that go on the back of their boat, and he sent me a few pictures of it, and I I went onto the Swellfish site, and they actually sell these wheels for like a very reasonable price that essentially it's just like portage wheels. So they just hook up to the transom, and they swing down. When you want to like launch into the water, and you just roll them right, ro- roll the boat right into the water, get it floating, then you swing the wheels back up when you want to rock and roll, and then uh, you're boating. Man, that's got me thinking about some of those portages that we would do in like the eastern side of Manitoba there to get into some of the trout lakes. Yeah, I think uh, I mean the trail would have to be wide enough to accommodate the boat, but uh, I think you could definitely get some pretty cool places with that little set of wheels and, and, uh, you know, one or two guys hauling that boat around, you could go some places, man. Yeah, totally. That's interesting. We'll have to think about that a little further, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little Christmas present for the swell fish coming up this winter. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> who knows next thing we're going to find out is that they get an attachment for behind the snowmobile or something like that <laughs> that'd be sweet Just see us cruising around on the lake in the middle of december on that thing yeah if uh if you guys are interested in checking out what swellfish has to offer they have a, a really robust lineup we'll say they make amazing boats head over to swellfish.co and uh check out their full line of, of boats and accessories and gear there they have like i said the portaging wheels they have bimimi tops for these boats and all kinds of fishing options they got anchor options they have options to hook up electronics options to hook up uh, rod holders and drink holders and all kinds of stuff so super cool man amazing people great great customer service and uh, yeah, check them out, swellfish.co. Kind of like a, a Leatherman of boats in some ways, eh? Pretty much, man. I, You know what? This is the, the first uh, like inflatable boat that I've I've uh, been in, I think, and the first one that I've certainly fished out of. And it's it's an experience. It's fun, man. It's, it's very stable. And I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool to, to see where, where this thing, uh, what kind of adventures it takes us on. Nice. Well, should we fire up Teddy, or what do you think here? You betcha. Coming in at your hot Teddy Costco from Cast and Iron. All right, on today's episode of the uh, Panoramic Outdoors podcast, we have on uh, a pretty cool guest. Uh, you might have seen his handiwork on Instagram. Um, you got some pretty amazing photography happening of some pretty amazing meals from some pretty amazing spots. Here's uh, Teddy Costco. Teddy, how's it going? Good, thanks. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. And and uh, for those do- for those of you that don't know about the, the Instagram page I'm talking about, it's the uh, the Cast and Iron Instagram page. And uh, Teddy, why don't you let everyone know where you're tuning in from today? I'm tuning in from my little converted crawl space fly tying area just <laughs> <laughs> above our newly converted baby room that's in uh, Vancouver, BC. Oh, very nice, very nice. Um, obviously, it has to be a pretty quiet space, so it uh, works well for, for fly time, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, I wish it was a little bit better ventilated because uh, a little too much varnish is not normal. <laughs> 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 lose track of time pretty quick up there. Once you get- exactly. Um, so we're going to get rolling with the, uh, the five burning questions here pretty quick so we could get to know you. Um, we got a, we got a couple fairly easy ones here and, uh, a few interesting ones, but, uh, this first one, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty interested in listening to your answer here being, a uh, uh, wild game chef and all, but if you had one last meal, what would you prepare and what would you wash it down with? Oh, that's a good one. Or, I mean, if you want to take it to a restaurant, you can too, but uh, whatever you want to do. Um, I, I'm Funnily enough, I like make lots of meals that are take a long time and are more elaborate than they should be. Uh, but I'm a man of simple <laughs> pleasures. I think my all-time favorite meal is uh, Toad in the Hole. And I'd probably do a, um, I don't know, I'd probably maybe like a venison sausage in a Toad in the Hole. Nice. Toad in the Hole is just big Yorkshire pudding with sausages in it. Nice, nice. Uh, I don't know why. It's just that, like, squidgy goodness mixed with the sausage. is tough to beat. Yeah. Um, and if I, to wash it down with uh, just, like, a good, like, craft ale, like an amber sort of ale would be – that would be the one. Just nice. Good craft 
not too hoppy, not too strong, not too light, just right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. In the hole with game sausage. So. Nice. Any any favorite uh, beverages out, out west there that uh, you frequent? Yeah, so it, it's fortunate. So I live in Mount Pleasant in uh, in Vancouver, and it's a there are you know half a dozen breweries within about a five to ten block radius. Uh, so 33 acres. Uh, shout out is about three blocks from my house and the, the 33 acres darkness it's um like a black lager a schwarz beer and uh it's uh, unbelievably good it's super dark so you look at it and it's almost black but it's really really light so you get like the maltiness and it's light so it's not like drinking a pint of oil sort of thing really that's interesting cool yeah no kidding that's uh that's a seems like it's dangerously close that place but <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little bit <laughs> Um, I'm assuming you're, you're, uh, you, you gotta have some sort of, uh, music passion, but, uh, what's on the playlist these days? What? Um, good question. Yeah. Like I've been, I grew up, uh, playing music and my wife and I play a lot of music together. We used to like play in a band technically and, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it varies, uh, but, um, Coulter Wall is definitely on the uh, the playlist uh, pretty regularly. Um, Ian Munsick, uh, big fan of. Hmm. Uh, I just recently got introduced to him. But yeah, mainly just like country and not like less like skinny jean country and more sort of like um, like old timey country. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of like the uh, the Towns Van Zant and that kind of that kind of scene. Yeah, more or less. Nice. That's cool. What uh, what instrument do you play, or instruments? Uh, well, like when I was six, I started playing violin and piano, so I played that for about a decade, and then realized that in my teens that that was definitely not going to help me meet girls. So I started playing guitar, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and uh, uh, yeah, so I play guitar and bass and mandolin, like a bunch of stringed instruments, but play guitar primarily and attempt to sing. But uh, my wife is the real musical talent in the in the family that's cool dude you place you place the, like a grand piano in the in the right situation and, and it uh it becomes a pretty powerful tool <laughs> to capture a room <laughs> it certainly wasn't for me that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> also a funny thing about well not a violin but uh i think I, i'm not too sure what the what the difference between a violin and a fiddle is but i i often remember a few of the the best nights that i've had was uh the impromptu fiddle appearance by certain dude who knows how to play the fiddle and just happens somebody had a fiddle and uh you know like at an open mic night or something like that and um one of the construction workers or something like that knows how to play a fiddle and it's just it turns into a a pretty a pretty fun evening it uh steps up the energy i feel like quite a bit yeah 100 you know i think definitely it's a funny thing like a lot of things that were not cool back in the day have sort of come back into fashion. Yeah. And I think about it now, I'm like, Oh man, if I was really good at violin now, that would have been <clears throat> a, a, like a cool skill. Yeah. But I gave up on it when it was uncool. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, it, so I lived in, in Ireland for several years. And one of the coolest things about that is you'd be sitting in a pub like on a Sunday night having a drink. And then um, people start filing in and somebody shows up like a guitar and they start having a little sing song. And then somebody shows up, you know, with a bow ran, like an Irish drum. And then somebody shows up with, with fiddle. And then it just like the whole bar turns into 
like a just like an impromptu jam no and way there. it's insane like that was one of the coolest things about living there that sounds and very cool you're, you're just like having a pint and then you just next thing you know there's like 10 dudes just playing music wow. uh, off the cuff and you're like that's pretty sweet yeah Canada yeah 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 that's awesome i uh i play a little bit of guitar myself but i'm I'm more like uh uh like i don't know if i could pick up and jam and like jump into like a a jam session with people and i'm i've I've just i've never played at to a beat or a rhythm or anything like that i've just kind of played the chords and sang along to them and then if there's any errors you know i just kind of pick up where i messed up and keep going you know so yeah, it's, you just you got to get enough people singing loud enough, then you're just yeah. playing, and you're just making it up, just sort of half faking it, half just like yeah. being there for. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right on. That's cool. Um, so obviously, you spend quite a bit of time fly fishing, and uh, I'm sure you toss a lot of flies throughout a, a season uh, or throughout a year. But uh, what's your fl- favorite fly to toss? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I'm like a very medium fisher person slash caster. So like I tie a ton of flies just in bulk because I know I'm going to lose them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite fly. Uh, hmm, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know if we can pin one down. I'd say like I was just uh, in the UK doing some Atlantic salmon fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the, uh, like the alley shrimp and like the little cascade type shrimp patterns that they have in the UK are just the coolest things. Nice. Like they just have so much history and they're, they're teeny tiny. Like you're throwing like a 12 or a 14. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're easy as hell to cast rather than like four inches of rabbit with big dumbbell eyes, <laughs> which is <laughs> pretty difficult out here. So yeah, I'd say like a classic sort of Atlantic pattern, like a cascade nice. or an alley shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, uh, I recently, uh, participated in uh we have a we have a club here in manitoba the manitoba fly fishing association and they they do a really good job they're a very organized and like engaged club in in the fly fishing community here and uh every so often they, they put on these seminars and we had uh they had a couple of good ones this spring and they had one one fellow talking about uh chrominids and i'd, I'd never chrominid fish i didn't even know what a chrominid was to be honest with you until until I joined the seminar and it's unbelievable these little tiny flies that just do are like lights out at the, at the right time on a, on a lake here in Manitoba so it's pretty cool um question number four here what's one fear that you want to conquer Ooh, been deep right off the bat yeah, yeah. Uh, uh I don't know oh uh parenting <laughs> I got about like three weeks left on the, the clock to conquer that one. So better figure that out quick. <laughs> oh, so, okay. I see. Yeah. So, so the, the bun is still in the oven. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh left <laughs> the latter stages. It's, uh, yeah. So yeah. it's like first kid. So I'm definitely, uh, and it's like the first girl and like three generations of my family. So everybody's very excited and I'm just, not terrified at all totally calm and collected <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i hear you i got i got two at home here and they're it's a it's a big change and uh i remember when the first one came i was just trying to like grip on to what little bit of normal life i had left <laughs> i was just like ah oh, just let let this dad life take me i guess here from now on 
Yeah, I feel like I, I like segued into it pretty well with like I got the dad bod thing pretty much figured yeah. out. <laughs> just, uh, trying to get the actual parenting bit down and then be ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, dad bods are in right now, so uh, yeah, you're good to go there. <laughs> um, and the the final five burner here is uh, one adventure you wanna you wanna accomplish in the next uh, in the in the future here, foreseeable future. We'll say. You have anything mm-hmm. on the on the docket? Yeah, I got some, uh, uh, I, once the kid's born, we're headed up, uh, to the Campbell river way. And I have this, one thing I'd like to do is I'd like to catch a fish that is bigger than the kid and be like <laughs> grip and grin yeah. with the, that's bigger than the kid. And the kid's like in like a little, the little holder guy. I don't know what they're yeah, called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's the dream. That's what I want to conquer the next little while. Nice. Do some fishing up uh up island uh and uh for salmon on the fly rod and then uh getting into something that's bigger than the kid that's awesome (laughs) when uh so when we had our first kid we did uh we did quite a bit of traveling with them um my my job kind of at the time allowed me to take fairly big chunks of time off and in uh september so he would have been in about four months three three and a half months old we we went out to the uh the island and i got a buddy who owns a charter service out there andrew's west coast adventures and uh the salmon we didn't go on the on the boat at all we just went river fishing for them because they're already nice. running and we brought we brought the kid down with us to the river and uh, i carried him on in the the holster or the harness or whatever you call it and it's pretty steep river banks there and uh <laughs> And, uh, yeah, man, we, that's where I caught probably, well, definitely my biggest salmon that I've ever caught is probably, I don't know how big it was, 20, 30 pounds kind of thing. It was just really nice, really nice fish. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty unique experience. It was very fun. It was, it was kind of interesting to have the kid down there too. Yeah. Yeah. Living the dream. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. Um, uh, very good time. All right. So Teddy Costco. I'm I'm really interested here to hear um, how you got your your feet wet in the in the outdoor world, where it all started for you, and kind of like did you grow up in the outdoor world? Where where was home base for you growing up? So yeah, uh, the short answer is yeah. My family's super outdoorsy, and uh, so I was born in Whitehorse on uh, Yukon, and uh, yeah, I've got two younger brothers, and both both my brothers and both my parents are super outdoorsy and we always um, spent a lot of time out there. We moved like down South uh, to Edmonton when I was a kid and I did all my like schooling and stuff down there mm-hmm. and uh, out on acreage and playing in the outdoors and we'd go back up to Whitehorse every summer. And that was like, just like what we did, just like camping and my uh, dad and now my brothers actually are, are all like float plane pilots. Oh, nice. So always like bombing around in the plane and uh, like flying into little lakes, going fishing and stuff like that. So that was like, a real ever present feature of my childhood. It's just like being in the outdoors and having, you know, two brothers, it was just, you know, always building forts, you know, fishing, that sort of thing. So it was really something that we just sort of grew up with. And that was um, the, the sort of the model that we had was, if we had, if we're going on a family trip, the likelihood that it's camping is, you know, uh, like 90% or greater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel you, man. Um, 
every family trip we go on now, even if it isn't like intended to go to, to do something outdoorsy, I'm like, I wonder if I can just like toss a fishing rod and wet a line somewhere out there or bring my bow or something like that and figure something out. There's always, oh, there's always little opportunities everywhere like that. Yeah. And like, that's really a, a thing that is sort of, uh, persisted in my adult life. You know, like my wife and I, like, um, like anytime we're going to plan something, like she loves to travel and go around different places and she knows my interests. So she's like, why don't we try and figure out how we can, you know, both get what we want out of this trip, travel mm-hmm. a bit and have like a, a fish, like a side fishing adventure on to uh on the trip as well so it's trying to get the best of both worlds and pretty much every circumstance is the is the go-to yeah yeah Yeah. i always figured it's better to have a rod that you never use in your truck as opposed to uh wishing that you had it oh yeah (laughs) totally there's not there you go yeah yeah 100 man 100 so uh so kind of grew up in the Yukon, moved down to Edmonton, and then uh, where did your path take you after that? Yeah, so I was in Edmonton. Yeah, I think like I was in my Edmonton for a long time. Like I did the bulk of my growing up there, but I was in Whitehorse in the summer. Yeah, yeah. So I know my buddies hear this; they'll be quick to point that out. So, <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, yeah, I so if, I was in Edmonton, and I did my my undergrad there um where i met my then girlfriend now wife and then we moved to dublin in uh 2009 lived uh yeah lived in dublin for a couple of years and then we moved to the uk uh lived in cambridge for four years and then we're in london for a couple of years and then moved back to, uh to canada and moved straight to vancouver and that was that was in 2017 so like four and some years ago was uh was education the the driving force for moving across the pond or what was uh what was feeling you there yeah exactly yeah yeah so uh my wife and i both moved over for grad school and then uh thankfully she got a real job and then i just like continued <laughs> down the academic path um that i'm still on so i mean been in this is my uh 20 year anniversary and being in post-secondary education so oh, <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah pretty so much <laughs> where where are you at in the in the post-secondary journey right now um actually it's uh caught me at a good time um i just got tenure uh like two weeks ago nice. so um yeah which is basically like when you get hired into a faculty position as like an assistant professor yeah they give you a five-year contract and they're like give us a reason to give you an open-ended contract Mm. and so then at the end of that time or you you put together an application and that says hey i'm actually not that bad at my job you should keep me around for a long time like (laughs) i.e forever and then you submit this application and if they they're like yeah yeah, that's great they give you an open-ended contract so you have a job for life basically but if they're like yeah this isn't very good. They just kick you to the curb and then you're out of a job. So it's sort of like going, it's, or it's literally going up for a promotion. And if you get the promotion, you get a contract for life. And if you don't, you get fired. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so it's a bit of a outcome, but yeah, that's where I'm at. So I just got uh, promoted to like an associate professor, uh, which is the next rung on the ladder. And then, yeah, so I've got uh, unless I really bung it up, I should have a job in academia for the foreseeable future. Nice. That's amazing. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Um, 
like especially after a, a like a, a 20 year career uh <laughs> academic <laughs> that's, a, that's a big move must be a sigh of relief for yourself it's a, it's a sigh of relief but it's also i have like my entire life ahead of me of doing the same job so yeah <laughs> yeah like, but but um also doing that job are you you're still able to do some some studies and and um a little bit of other stuff along with that correct or are you pretty much locked yeah. in hundred percent. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's as much as I sort of take piss. It's, it's, it's a pretty good gig because like, uh, so I run a, like a research lab, um, and like the, the, the bulk of my time, like contractually 75% of my time is spent on research. And so I like run studies and do analyses and that sort of thing. Um, and then, yeah, and then 20% of my time is spent teaching. So I, I teach courses and things like that. Nice. Uh, but is like the beauty of it is, is that because like it's me running the lab, it's and it's very very outcome based. Um, the flexibility time wise is immense. Um, so it's sort of as long as you get stuff done, it doesn't really matter when you, when you do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, like tomorrow morning, for example, I'm gonna go fish Capilano and uh, just get up, go fishing, and then come back, have breakfast, and then go to work. Nice. and i'm basically accountable to myself so there's a ton of flexibility yeah um uh, it's great and also it's it's if i didn't have this job there's no way in hell cast and iron would exist mm-hmm. because the the flexibility required to do that is um like if i worked like a sitting at a desk nine to five job there's no way it would it would work and <laughs> i'd also probably just not want to be doing like yeah yeah, yeah not, i would not be in the headspace to want to do stuff on the weekends <laughs> no kidding no kidding um so I, i'm also curious about your your research stuff here too Are, is this personal research research stuff or is this stuff that your students um brought research projects that your students are are uh, accomplishing all the above um the above, so yeah. i have uh so within my research lab like the in a nutshell how the academic world works is that the canadian government has a bunch of money that they want to give out for research um so you they have grant funding bodies so you apply you have a, a, a good idea for a research project and you um they'll have a competition every year and then say hey i want to do this project you write takes you six months to write this application and then you're like hey you should canadian government you should give me you know x amount of money and i'll do a b and c with it answer a bunch of questions about you know why people are healthy or not mm-hmm. and then um with those funds you can do things like you can hire students so i have a, a number of grants where i employ students and then they work on the grant with me and then they have so i have phd students that are uh, working on different projects and in different areas that all relate to sort of like my overarching uh, research portfolio, mm-hmm. uh, which is on men- mental health as an aside. So yeah. like my entire like research focuses on uh, mental health. You know what what leads to people being happier and healthier for longer is the sort of the crux of it. And um, yeah, and it's it's, so it's sort of interesting in that the uh like my research sort of informs my personal life as well like i know that spending like interacting socially and uh getting outdoors these are things that lead to better mental health Mm -hmm. and 
so it's something that uh, like cast and iron is also sort of a, a vehicle for that as well because it's promoting just that get outdoors spend time with your friends eat good food these are all things that are that my research suggests are related to better mental health so it's sort of it's an interesting um thing in that sort of my research portfolio and cast and iron are both directly pointing towards mechanisms for better mental health but just in like very different <laughs> realms <laughs> i could i could already see the, the conversations with your with your wife oh honey <laughs> i gotta go do some research this morning so i'm <laughs> I'm just not going to be around the house for the next six hours. <laughs> yeah. Just so, taking a mental health break on the river. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah carrying your flag gear out the, out the door. Well, that's, that's pretty cool because that's, I mean, that's, it's a conversation we have quite a bit too, um, along the lines of like getting outdoors, um, interacting with, with, uh, with, um, fellow outdoors men and women and, and um you know just just being out outdoors and disconnecting from a lot of the what this is right now like even you and me talking over we're at a sitting at a computer sitting at a desk we're i mean my desk is i got a photo of maybe a, a dream location for me to go sit and relax at that i take my little mental break every you know hour or something like that during the day but <laughs> as far yeah. as getting away the getting away doesn't happen until you're actually out there right so that's pretty cool um have have you conducted any actual studies or anything like that related directly related to outdoor activities and and mental health no actually that's that's a good point like i I look at things like in more like an abstract level so okay looking uh you know like proximity to green space for example like close to parks and um things like uh physical activity like we know that physical activity is related to better mental health um and so they you you one could argue that if you're outdoors you're in green space and if you're you know sheep hunting you're definitely getting a mm-hmm. lot of uh physical activity in. so mm-hmm. uh, i haven't looked at it directly um but i definitely indirectly that's a really good idea i should definitely look into that yeah so we can get funding to for that study put it in play man i'm in <laughs> We can we can uh, we can hold the Manitoba study over here for you too. So if you're looking for any candidates, <clears throat> um, very cool. And then uh, so sometime in this whole uh, professional student um, career, you you found some time to uh, fire up Cast and Iron, which is your um, I I know it uh, as as pretty much like your your Instagram uh, social media platforms and you got some youtube stuff happening but but tell us about cast and iron sure yeah so uh like the, the sort of the origin story is that um my 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 wife and i moved back from uh the uk to canada and we started like re-engaging with the you know canadian wilderness because we you know, spent so much time abroad mm-hmm. and um there was a we were spending a lot of time outdoors and like taking photos of that sort of thing and then uh my sister-in-law moved to vancouver as well so the three of us were going out and doing trips and that sort of thing and um we I, i'm a huge fan of you know cooking stuff like i like a passionate home cook i would say i'm definitely not a chef caveat um and 
Yeah, it was sort of like, because I was super outdoorsy when I was a kid and like growing up and then I uh, went away to grad school and I was doing it in like as much as you can in the UK. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely a different scene, like going outdoors. And then, but I was doing a ton of cooking, like having dinner parties and really sort of upping the, the cooking game. And mm-hmm. then when I moved back to Canada, the, those two worlds collided and it was um, like sort of my matured um cookery meeting with the, the outdoorsiness that i had before i left canada and then yeah so then we were we were always going out my sister-in-law and my wife and i going out camping and i'd like cook up these meals and they're like oh this is great let me like take a photo of it whatever and then um we started people started liking that sort of thing and then uh, we sort of sat down the three of us and we're like you know this might be a really cool opportunity for us to you know uh, showcase the Pacific Northwest and showcase, you know, um, like catch and cook and that sort of thing and sort of healthy lifestyle and um, might be sort of like a fun sort of pet project or passion project. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a, a really important thing t- to note is that the three of us run Cast and Iron and I am without a doubt the least useful slash talented person on the team. <laughs> it's <laughs> the uh so my my uh my wife and sister-in-law do all the all the photography and cinematography oh, and my sister-in-law does all the photo editing and like the uh, cutting videos and that sort of thing and uh my wife uh is head of delivery at a uh, content marketing agency so she's mm. been in content marketing her entire career yeah and then my sister-in-law um is in uh like social media and there's like influencer marketing and that sort of thing so they both they know my wife really knows content and you know branding and messaging and personas and all this sort of stuff and my sister-in-law like knows like the interwebs really well and like instagram works yeah yeah none of these things i have any idea like i like to cook and i like to go fishing and then they sort of put like a voice to that and like uh cultivated this persona um in a very clever way in a way that i never could i might add and uh yeah and that's then it just sort of started doing that and then it just sort of became something where people were like oh this is pretty cool like i like what you're doing and we're like oh that's awesome and then yeah just sort of uh like took off from there nice that's very cool yeah um i I was going to compliment on on like your ability to uh, obviously the team's ability to to really capture the the entire scene there and, and everything that that happens and and put it all together and and really what like when you look at the picture it, it's almost like exactly what what you're craving right or some people when they're especially when you're scrolling through instagram assuming you're on a phone looking for something something uh to interact with and you're like oh man that would be that'd be super cool to be there right now so um great work cast and iron team on uh, on nailing that for sure <laughs> Much appreciated. Yeah, so you guys are kind of getting into the uh, the YouTube scene a little bit too. I see. Is there is there more plans to ex- expand on that, or how's that looking for you guys? Uh, maybe you know, I think like realistically, right now we're just sort of like doing like the instant grams um, yeah. and uh, again doing like more reels and stuff like that. Like it's uh, like because we all have day jobs and we're all doing stuff. Like it's like we're very passionate about it, but it's it's doing a, a youtube channel is like an insane amount of work mm-hmm. uh, like and the whole game with in my like, like very rudimentary understanding of how the interweb works is that it's all algorithm based and you know it's it's not like 
YouTube and Instagram and like they're out there just providing a social media service to make everybody feel good. They're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, in order to get traction, you need to be, um, you know, creating favor with the, the algorithm yeah. because like, lots of things like, like once you get 10 K followers on Instagram, they just like turn the taps off and they're like, yeah, you were going to damp down your engagement to like a fraction of what it was because you're probably making money on this. So, uh, <laughs> we should make some more money on it because this is our gig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so start paying us for advertising and all that kind of oh, stuff. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely like, I think that's, uh, it's a weird space. Uh, but yeah, I think like, like in order to do a YouTube channel, well, like I need, uh, I need to shuffle my life around pretty mm-hmm. significantly and everybody else would need to do that as well. So I, I don't think that we're in a position to do that. Yeah. It'd be great um, to be able to do something like that. But like, it's just the people that do it well, put a ton of time into it. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're really giving her, it's not like you can just like, knock out a video once every two months and then think that you're gonna get any sort of traction or that's gonna be like monetizable yeah yeah it's a lot of work to uh like that goes in behind the scenes especially like you know you watch uh i mean lots of lots of people are putting out like uh say i don't know five to 15 minute video and and there's sometimes like a day of filming and then three days of editing and then and then editing yeah. some more once you get the final cut together and then publishing and then and then promoting and all that stuff so it's it does uh take quite a bit of it's pretty much a full-time job just putting all that stuff together if you're especially if you're doing one like uh, on a weekly basis or something right a lot oh, of yeah. work behind the scenes i'm uh, i'm a little bit curious about your uh your your background in fly fishing as well um did did you grow up being taught or immersed in the in the fly fishing industry or is that something you picked up along the way uh it's sort of a combination of both like it's like it's it was definitely wasn't like linear it wasn't like i was like born with a fly rod in my hand and i was just like smashing out single space from my birth but uh <laughs> the uh <laughs> i was, I was um, watching you do lots of the no, some of the spade casting for it must have been uh looked like you're spade casting for trout could have been that, yeah I, yeah i just like yeah i'm like I like I, I hate to admit it, but I, I'm almost like casting as much as I like catching fish. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But in answer to your question, um, so I grew up like gear fishing, like from when we were really, really young, um, and we were always like we had um, like little gear rods, like from as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And then it was like some like a little bit of fly fishing when I was a kid. Like my dad was big into fly fishing um, all growing up, but it was weird because I always thought like. I had this image in my mind of fly fishing being this thing that only adults did because my dad would go to the Dean, uh, like steelheading uh, with his buddies every year. And I was like, Ooh, like fly fishing for steelhead is like this unattainable thing that you can't do until you're an adult. Uh, <laughs> and so, but I was like tying flies when I was really young um, and but not really fishing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's, I have some like hilarious photos of me when I'm like, I don't know, seven years old and I'm like tying the jankiest flies, <laughs> which actually truth be told, they're not much better than the ones I tie now. I was going to say uh, they probably look about as good as the one or probably better than the ones I'm, I'm tying right now. So Yeah, but you know, if you're trying to outsmart an, an animal with a brain the size of a pea, so they probably work about the same. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Yeah. So, I mean, it was, wasn't until I really got sort of older that I sort of really embraced uh, fly fishing in a, um, in a, a larger capacity. And then, yeah. And then like, once I got on like the, the two hand revolution, that was sort of the only thing I wanted to do, just like swing flies. Um, the, yeah. The, the spay casting world is like, when you hop into fly fishing, it's definitely like a little more artistic and, and you can get kind of creative with some of the casts and the cast get more personalized kind of thing. But spade casting is like a really, seems like a real artistic, uh, methodical, um, I guess just like process. Sure. And it is very yeah. cool to watch, especially in slow-mo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, it's one of those things that's like, I always think of like anything in life, anything that you're doing you got to look at like what you're trying to achieve like what's your best case outcome mm -hmm. and uh with fishing particularly for like steelhead for you and steelhead's a great example because if you go out there and like i want to catch fish don't swing flies that's going to be a bad move you're going to be disappointed if you're if your yardstick for success is the number of fish you catch you're almost always going to be disappointed but if you're out there like working on your cast and because like with um like two-headed rods like spade casting you've got a whole whack of different casts um you know like overhand casting with single-handed rod that's cool and like there are different variations you can do that but with uh like two-handed rods you can do like a whole whack of different casts and do them right hand right-handed and left-handed and everything so you can be working on even if you're not catching fish you're like improving uh a skill you're working on a skill mm -hmm. you're developing skill and you know, like this is definitely not to run down like gear fishing at all. Like I definitely like, um, like I gear fish. Like I think that there's a time and a place. Like if I want to catch fish, like to put them in the freezer, definitely not going to fly fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like super effective way to do it. Yeah. You know? Um, and like, I'm not some like mega purist only going to do it like upstream dry fly. Yeah. That sort of thing. I think I, I look at what I'm trying to achieve and uh like what i'm going to get enjoyment out of and a lot of times like i'm not super concerned with whether or not i catch fish if i'm having fun casting and you know once you like a good day casting is like nearly as good as catching fish for sure mm -hmm. like it's and so i like and it's definitely like an uh to your point like i think it's definitely something like an art form that you can hone and so i do like i uh, go out with a tim arsenal um who's like a legendary caster um like competed in spayorama for years and he's been wow you know, in top 10 for years and i go i get like tuition from him and it's you know it's cool to be able to have a skill that you can develop over time that you enjoy doing that also maybe leads to you catching a fish and then maybe leads to you know putting some food in uh, your friends and family's bellies so mm -hmm. it's it's uh, yeah, it all is like that whole scene is something that I'm very keen on. Yeah, no, that's cool, and it's uh, it's funny that you talk about like the the, the struggles of fly fishing as well because um, last week I, I put on a, a shore fishing clinic like a learn to fish clinic, and um, I don't know if you know what a gold eye is, but um, the gold eye running super hard here right now in Manitoba, so. Everyone at the shore fishing clinic, I had them running just like a bobber with a split shot on a small J hook and a chunk of worm. And it was just like lights out gold eye fishing like that, right? Like typical <laughs> yeah. gold eye fishing was just awesome. It was great. 
I love a little bobber fishing, but at the end of the night, kind of sun was going down, everyone was gone. I pulled out my fly rod and I got this new, new fly rod that I'm messing around with a little bit. And I'm, and I'm like tossing flies out there and I was like, okay, they're going to hit on this for sure. And no, nothing. They're going to hit on this one for sure. And it wasn't until like I switched to my sixth fly that I finally started getting hits. And then, but the hook was way too big. So like every fifth, fifth hit would, uh, would actually like hook a fish. And I was just like, man, what a battle tonight. Meanwhile, everyone with the, with the hook and bobber and worm was just smashing gold day. But, but, uh, like you said, the casting portion, cause at the start of the night, I was like getting wound up and, and the, the fly was getting tangled up in my, in my line, I was like, "All right, got to figure this out." And then once you get that rhythm down and get that figured out, it's all it's all uphill from there or downhill from there, I guess. Yeah, sure. You know, and that's like one of the things is that you know, once you get in that like the flow, it's just you know it's and it's always when like once your casting starts coming together and you're not thinking about like oh I got a wind knot again and you're like mm-hmm. unhooking everything and then like once you just like casting, that's usually when you catch fish. Mm-hmm. It's not like when you're like getting frustrated and like yeah broke off fly for the tenth time and you're like cracking it and like yeah so yeah it's you know uh it can be frustrating i, I like the fact that it's not easy mm-hmm. like i definitely fan of things that aren't really easy at the outset like they take some doing to get good at them yeah and then when you do it's like so much more rewarding it's yeah. like when you're like i like i it may be the case that you know you're absolutely like dummying these gold eyes with a bit of worm but then when you struggle and you get one on the fly it's like so much more satisfying because you struggle to get there yeah 100 percent, man absolutely and it was it was funny too because like the gold eye were rising everywhere too so i was like all right well there's some kind of like something's hatching obviously it's well it's midsummer so something's obviously hatching but there's nothing really like coming to the surface and like mayflies weren't launching out i couldn't see anything and i didn't have like a little scoop net to figure it out to see what what was in the water because the water's kind of muddy in uh, in the red river but um it's pretty happy when it all came together i do want to chat a little bit about like uh like fly fishing around vancouver there mm-hmm. um I, i'm curious about that um as far as like accessibility for people to go fly fishing you know how long are you are you traveling to to some of these locations that you go to you don't have to give the spot obviously but is it like are you planning a day to travel like six hours to get to some of your prime spots or are you like how close can people get out fishing out there too close oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's it's one of those things where um uh it's just like a it's a productive fishery there are, there are three productive fisheries um within an hour of where i'm sitting and uh where you can get salmon and steelhead oh. and uh yeah it's so like the capilano it's it's not exactly a secret um and that's like runs right through north vancouver mm-hmm. and they've got a hatchery program like a prolific hatchery program and you can catch you know um coho and uh uh chinook in even number of years like just absolutely dummy them and uh I guess say remarkable how many fish are. Yeah, they have a coho and chinook um, hatchery program. Um, they don't do pinks or anything like that, but uh, yeah, so you can catch like fish upwards of twenty pounds, Oof. like fifteen minutes from where I'm sitting. Wow! And yeah, it's ridiculous. But caveat: 
is that uh, it's not a secret. And so it's a pretty heavily pressured fishery. Mm-hmm. And you, you get some cowboys out there. It's, like, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Like um, I was out there a couple days ago and it's like, so you'll legal fishing light is an hour before sunrise and like environment Canada's sunrise. Right. And so, and like right around now around summer solstice, it's early. So mm-hmm. it's around like 420 yeah. for um, the legal fishing line. So I showed up at like quarter to four to uh, like at the river. And there's like half a dozen cars in the parking lot. And um, so you get out there and then, yeah, <laughs> it's like this guy, I was there and this dude in like a pair, like not that I'm judging, like and or being elitist. The, the thing that pissed me off, I'll tell you, and it will become apparent in a second. So there's a guy there, and he's like in like track pants and like trainers, and he's like, he's he's fly fishing, but he's just trying to cast mono. Oh, yeah. so it's not working too. Well. Like yeah. how do, he's trying to his rod with mono. I don't know how he's doing it. Anyways, and he's just like chain smoking darts and just like <laughs> littering everywhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, like you gonna pick those up? Like I. You know, if you, everybody's going to learn and start fishing somehow and you, you learn, uh, like that's, I don't think it, a, a reason to judge folk, yeah. but as soon as you start littering, you're just like, put like, put like smoking and like leaving darts all over like the rocks and on the shore. I'm like, okay, now I've got an issue with that. Now I'm going to absolutely judge you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Yeah. So anyway, circling back to your question, like it's, it's very accessible, like the Squamish, um, the uh and the vetter and the capilano rivers are hugely prolific very well-known fisheries that uh most people fish and the it's a double-edged sword because they're it's great like i can go catch steelhead in two different rivers or three different rivers for that matter like from an hour from my house mm-hmm. uh and, but so can everybody else in the greater vancouver area yeah yeah so at just like heavy, heavy fishing pressure. Yeah, is it is it steelhead running right now, or are you able to catch some salmon up there as well? Uh, it's like it's sort of an odd season. Or it's an odd time right now. Um, so you have uh, uh, red springs. Um, I just like a very short run of red shuck salmon in um, the Vetter, and it's mm. only like July. Really, and then you get a yeah it's a super weird one and then you get a like artificial run of uh summer run coho and they're just like little dinks that's like three to four pound fish that uh the hatchery the hatchery figured out that if your income uh is based on people coming to visit the hatchery and there are no fish in the hatchery Mm. (laughs) probably not going to have tour buses lining up to go see empty yeah. tanks of water. Yeah. So they have a run of sh- uh, coho salmon that come in the summer. So that's like sort of winding down a little bit right now. There's technically summer on steelhead in the Capilano, but like anybody who's targeting them is, it's like, it's all catching on lease um, for right. the steelhead in Capilano. But I would not recommend that because it's like, you'll see people like this time of year there because they're just, Still had her spawning, mm-hmm. so that like, I've seen a dude last year. He's um, he's casting to a steelhead on a red, so it's one hundred percent. They're two, like a buck and a doe, mm-hmm. on a red, clearly spawning, mm-hmm. and buddy's casting just like dragon row in front of this fish. Jeez, and I'm like, 
what are you doing? Yeah. And like, let them spawn. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So then the fish got the last laugh on this one. So guy casts out and then finally it just like basically hits the fish on the nose with his ball of row fish bites. So he's fighting this fish and he's on some like Canadian tire special, just <laughs> hammered and folded yeah. in half. And it's like, Oh my God, it's like peeling line and then brings this fish in. And then in like a criminally poor display of like a fish handling, picks this fish up for this photo and just is, is a big buck. Just as he picks up the fish, just squirts a load all over him. <laughs> he's just in like jeans and he's squeezing all this like hot steelhead spunk comes oh, flying out onto God. him. That's it's hilarious. Like, great work. I'm yeah. like there you go no yeah, that's what you get <laughs> yeah. so would not recommend summer steelhead no kidding the, at this time of year oh that's sure. so funny also like the fact that the uh the uh canadian tire special lingo is is universal among uh oh, pra- prairie folk and uh and uh <laughs> pacific folk um it was funny. Oh, well, I can also relate to like having the the accessibility to fisheries uh, so close to like a big city center, because I know a lot of the places around Winnipeg, like, um, so I, I live right now, I'm, I live east of Winnipeg, but we grew up just north of Winnipeg. And, and uh, one of the most diverse fisheries in Manitoba is the Red River and, and just in Lockport, which is just like 20 minutes north of the perimeter, 15 minutes kind of thing. And it's like it's a great fishery. There's like you can catch anything there. It's very productive most days. But the same thing, the shorelines are just scattered with freaking yeah. garbage, man. And like, I try my best. Try my best. Like these these days, I I try to avoid the busy times, and I, I I do go fairly early if I'm going, and I normally go down with a fly rod, and uh, I try to make a point to bring a garbage bag down with me and just pick up at least one bag of garbage while I'm there. But you could literally spend an entire day there and uh yeah cleaning up garbage it's pretty wild you know i think that you know as like outdoors people you know you have sort of a responsibility to take care of the resource mm-hmm. you know I, I i really dislike the sort of exploitative nature of some people's attitude towards the outdoors it's like oh it's a resource it's there for the taking yeah it's like well that's true up to a point but also you know you got to respect that resource and you got to be able to uh make sure that it's going to stick around mm-hmm. and you know if you're just like littering on the shores you know that gets into the water it's not good fish and you know if you're um yeah it, there's so many things that i think that people could do to like i think think the whole if you go down if you see a piece of garbage pick it up yeah it doesn't matter if it's not and like you know like everyone wants to go out there have a good time but like like i'm all for you know having a couple beers while you're fishing but like if 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 I see beer cans on the the shore, I'm like, buddy, like come on now, yeah. like we're all good time, just be respectful. Yeah. Like it doesn't take too much. If you're gonna pack in a case of beer, you sh- you sure as hell better pack it out. Yeah, no kidding. Like like be responsible with with what your what your with your actions pretty much around around resources, right? Yeah, you know, and I think it extends like you know, I think it's just like human decency. You know, if mm-hmm. you want something to stick around, like if you if you. Like if you think about it, like if you got buddies, if you treat them like shit, 
they're probably not going to stick around. Yeah, you know? yeah. that's a, that's <laughs> a great comparison. <laughs> they're probably not going to stick around either. So, yeah. Oh, man, I love that comparison. That's amazing. Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with um, uh, maybe they're like, a person's upbringing and a, a person's uh their mentor in the in the outdoor world i think a lot of people i mean fishing especially is a very easy um easy sport easy thing to get into as uh as a you know later on in life it's pretty accessible like you said lots of these places sure. inner city stuff is you know right out your your back door kind of thing and it is uh it can be fairly easy to learn especially on conventional tackle um, so I think maybe like a, a big, a big portion is it of this is just like lack of mentorship, lack of education. And obviously, you know, it, it, it doesn't, if you have half a brain, you can kind of figure out not to, not to litter and not to mess stuff up out there, but some people are just ignorant of that fact as well. So, yeah, no, I think like the, like the, the mentorship piece is so huge. And like, that's why, you know, like circling back where I was like, I'm, you know, you can wear whatever and have whatever kind of gear. Uh, but if you're like a nice person, like looking to learn, you know, by all means, I'm 100%. You know, if you ask me like, oh, like what fly are you running there? I'm like, oh, this, that, and the other. Like, I think if somebody's respectful, like absolutely willing to give them time of day to be like, pass on what little fishing knowledge I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like my old man was like a, such a phenomenal fishing mentor um because he's just like so by the book with regulations and um he used to be like a uh, like a criminal defense lawyer up uh, in whitehorse back in the day and he was like just letter of the law and i remember um like as kids like fishing in alaska we did yeah I had a boat in juno for years and years nice. and uh, so as kids we were always fishing up in juno and it's got a slot size um and uh i remember like, I think it was like 28 inches for like Chinook or something like that. And I remember us, we'd catch a fish and it'd be like 27 inches. And then, um, we'd be like, dad, why can't we keep it? And then dad was like, cause it's not big enough. And it was like, but it's only an inch shy. It's like, yeah, but it's an inch shy. Like if everybody did that, you know, where does it stop? Yeah. And it, he was just like, so black and white with the, with the regs and that, um, has always been like something that I carried with me. I'm like crazy paranoid about regulations. I'll be like, like, like waiting to fish, like Googling regs, making sure everything's above board and everything. Cause like, I, and it's a thing where in reality, you know, one person catches a fish that's not in the slot size and, and bonks it, you know, that's probably not going to do a ton of damage, but it's one, everybody does that and everybody everybody thinks they're special yeah everyone <laughs> they're thinks like, they're that one person doing it. yeah exactly yeah. and you got an issue and so then and you know it's like i remember like a buddy of mine we were fishing and i was like oh yeah it's single barbless he's like well can i just run a barb i'm like well no and he's like well nobody's gonna know it's like well i'll know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> i don't want like don't do that and yeah. if if i'm like mentoring somebody you know, I want them to like do it by the book and like passing on that. And just like common sense, passing on some like common sense and decency. Like, you know, don't be shitty on the river, you know, read the regs, abide by them and don't leave a mess. You know, it's not like asking to like change the world here. It's like be a decent human being. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it takes very little effort to do these things, but, uh, you know, the, the whole common sense thing seems to be, uh, 
not so common. <laughs> not so common these days, that's for sure. Yeah, my my kind of major entrance into the fly fishing world was was uh, I mean through just random people on the river where I was watching people just crush fish and then I'm tossing what I thought was a similar setup and not catching the thing and I'm like, what in the world? What are you doing different than I'm doing? And then and then the the interesting thing is too because like I feel like people in the fly fishing community often get that uh, you know the maybe conventional anglers i mean i i certainly had a, a bit of a uh prejudice outlook on um you know going up into to talking to somebody being like because a i didn't want to ruin their day and b i didn't know if they were open to it but like everybody that i that i've encountered in the fly fishing industry has been more than willing to to help out give me flies that are working or give me tips on where to fish or anything really so it's it's yeah, it's yeah. um I think complete opposite of of what most people expect. Yeah, you know I think that there's like there's a lot of good people out there, um, and I think that it, it's it's interesting because fishing is like uh people self select into that group. You know you need to have um you know a number of attributes that a lot of people have. Like you have common attributes that that lead you into fishing. Like you like the outdoors in some capacity. Like doing this sort of pursuit perhaps like if it's a retention fishery you like eating salmon for example mm -hmm. and you you got common ground um in at least a couple areas and uh yeah most people are, are super decent like it's it's weird like i feel like the there's certain fisheries that attract some like aggressive human beings like the vetter is wild like it's like it's a scene for sure and uh mm. like it's just like when the salmon are in there thick like it's it's really really productive fishery and you can you know bonk your limit of fish which is like two chinook i think four coho a day oh wow like, oh, yeah you can like whack them and stack them big time and yeah. people go out there and just smash their limit every day Jeez. and they're ridiculously good but like i took my buddy he came over from the uk he's like oh yeah let's do some uh, fishing and I'm like, well, do you want to go, you know, low density of fish, of fish and low density of people, or do you want to go high density of fish, high density of people? And he's like, let's go, let's catch some fish. I'm like, okay. So we rock up at like a, a not a super common run on the vetter, and we showed up. I don't know two like an hour before legal fishing light, so like maybe like four o'clock in the morning, and we drove an hour to get there. So it's it's a it's an alpine start mm -hmm. and we get there there's like i don't know half a dozen a dozen headlamps just like waiting on their like posted up just waiting <laughs> to for legal fishing like to hit and it's just absolutely dummying fish wow. I mean, it's crazy i remember like there's a so my buddy and i we're like i don't know 10 feet apart like if we and uh buddy comes up between us he's like hey uh you mind if i post up between you i'm like yes <laughs> find another place man oh. like i can reach out and touch you with my arm no kidding like, it's like yeah it's like suboptimal it's just yeah like combat fishery and yeah people get tangled up and oh yeah it's gnarly and then you know then like snagging and flossing fish and like oh it's just it's it's wild west out there that's for sure yeah no kidding that's uh we got a we got a term for that out here and earlier in the podcast when i was referring to fishing in lockport 
it's called getting lock ported when somebody rolls in too tight to your setup and and uh you know within snagging distance of each other's line essentially uh, yeah there's like full-blown fist fights i remember I was chatting to a fish cop there's like walking down he's like hey i was going to catch any fish whatever and i'm just chatting to him and uh like oh yeah it was on a long weekend and uh i was like how's it going and he's like this is like craziness and yeah. i've had to break up like three fist fights i'm like jesus <laughs> like everybody trying to have a good time and people were like throwing balls oh man i could imagine that just the <laughs> chaos ensues around the the salmon run out there i know it, it gets pretty crazy out east too like on the around the great lakes and stuff like that i've heard some stories so doesn't surprise me that the, it's, it's the same thing out there <laughs> yeah. it was wild for sure <clears throat> that's insane um well i think uh i think we're kind of wrapping up here teddy and uh I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us and uh obviously talking some shop talking a little more fishing stories um before we leave though what uh do you have any uh any big plans here coming up with uh with cast and iron what's on the, what's on the docket uh, yeah, no, definitely you got some like fun stuff on the horizon. We got like some really cool collaborations coming up. Um, uh, working with uh, Wolf and Grizzly um, and with uh, Stargate at Cast Iron, which is very cool. And also uh, we like long-term partners with Leatherman. So we got lots of cool stuff coming up with Leatherman as well. Nice. And we have some cool trips going up, as was mentioned previously, going up island to do some salmon fishing with the uh, – the the chitlin so the biggest cast in our project is trying to raise a kid <laughs> that'll be the 2022 project eh pretty much it's, yeah it's definitely yeah our our most aggressive undertaking to date yeah <laughs> well uh I, I have full faith that that you're you're capable to the task um yeah well but, i'm uh, one of us yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a few surprises up the road, though. Um, and, and last thing, too, before we uh, we take off here, why don't you let everyone know where, where they can find you and uh, what they can expect? Yeah, the easiest place to reach us is on the Instagrams. It's uh, at castandiron, C-A-S-T-A-N-D-I-R-O-N. Um, yeah, and that's where we post like fishing content, um, sort of camp cookery, and just like traveling around the Pacific Northwest enjoying ourselves and trying to you know, stay happy and healthy right on well thanks again for coming on teddy and uh we'll catch you next time thanks for having me that's a wrap hey. for episode 128 with teddy costco big thanks to teddy again for coming on and uh sharing his stories with us and and uh sharing some of his info with us and good luck teddy on your future endeavor as a father if uh if you aren't already <laughs> but uh and any any words of wisdom you would pass on to teddy tristan oh there's lots um maybe the uh the ones that are coming quickest to me here is just give yourself a little grace in the whole equation here because there's there's no way you're gonna knock it out of the park some days but there's gonna be those other days where the park's gonna knock you out <laughs> so yeah uh, you know, just uh, give yourself a little space to take a step back, take a breath, and uh, it's overwhelming, but you just got to roll with it, man. Yeah, I was uh, I was trying to give him a lot of support, but I, I, did, I didn't, uh, 
I didn't drop this on him. The fact that I was I was kind of thinking like you know there's when when I'm thinking back to like my first kid there was very little that prepared me actually for what I was about to get into. <laughs> oh, even, even after all the the books and the the classes and the doctor visits and everything. And then you just kind of get into it and you're like, what the fuck? Why yeah. didn't anybody tell me about this? Get get a floating fishing rod, Teddy. That's my advice for you. Yeah. Step Make one. Sure floats. Floating yeah. fishing rod. Yeah. Pretty cool. So uh, if anyone's looking for some gear for coming up for the fall here, uh, be sure to check out our store, panoramicoutdoors.com. And if you want to help out this our podcast here be sure to share this episode with a friend and give us a rating and a like or uh leave us a comment on whatever platform you're listening to tristan any final words yeah you just gotta you know keep those hooks sharp keep those rifles it's almost time to sight those rifles in Mm -hmm. and uh you know keep those cast iron pans oiled up you don't want to keep them dry you don't want to moisture is the enemy there that's right that's right hey one last thing before we leave i seen uh, on the news today that uh we broke a new record for like the uh humidex or something like that yesterday yeah. in winnipeg yeah the, literally the most humidity in the air ever in manitoba yeah awesome Woo! breaking yeah. records yeah everyone go out and oil your pans immediately yep get them oiled thanks for listening folks See you out there.